Hey guys, so this is a really special episode for me. I am a huge fan of Lisa and I am a huge fan of the PR net. It is one of the most sophisticated. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. Your business needs more than an 800 number. With Vonage Voice API, you can provide the call experience your customers expect and get the data your team needs. From call analytics and virtual assistance to automatic speech recognition and text-to-speech in multiple languages. Your customer service team can help more people in more places. And with in-app voice, your customers can easily contact you the moment they have a question. Take your calls to the next level with Vonage Voice API. Learn more at Vonage.com beautiful, elegant, yet informative, um, you know, publications. I really admire their work. I think highlighting the executives in the public relations, um, you know, niche of this industry is extremely important because, you know, without them, we would never hear about any of the brands that really are revolutionizing the space of beauty, skincare, or really any industry. So I just want to uh, do a quick shout out and thank you so much to Priscilla Martinez. You are amazing, Priscilla. Thank you for giving me a chance and being one of the first guests on our show. Diane Vavra, you are literally a queen. You're the queen of PR and also queen of luxury. I adore you so much. Um, Lara Case. Lara, I literally don't think skincare anarchy would be even in existence without you. Bucks and Buell has been our saving grace time and time again. Christine Isabel, thank you so much. Christine, you are phenomenal. One of the most talented um, women I've ever met and especially your professionalism just goes above and beyond. Um, I want to do say a huge thank you to Bella PR, both Marla and Jennifer. You both are so amazing and I just, I adore the both of you so much. Um, gosh, there are so many. Haley, Haley Cohen, I mean, you are just a rock star, Haley, and Paul Whitmark Communications is nothing without you, and you are just, you know, just, oh my gosh, I have no words for your work and for your, your kindness, so thank you so much. Um, and those are just a few, you guys. You know, we've had the immense honor of hosting guests from such brilliant PR firms that I can't even begin to make even a short list you know it's it's truly an honor working with these true professionals and leaders in our industry and i can't wait to grow and also i think this is a great time for me to announce we are officially partnering with spa and beauty today so if you are a brand and you want to uh really kind of take advantage of this opportunity of dual features and more comprehensive features definitely reach out to me um or kamala kirk who is the editor-in-chief of spa and beauty and to all my pr friends out there i uh, definitely keep that in mind as well uh we have a whole deck to tell you all about this collaboration but i want to leave it at that and let you guys enjoy this episode by the way the PR Net will be hosting their second annual Top 100 in PR, and I really urge all of you amazing people out there, go and apply, fill out the form for your brand. Um, this is an amazing opportunity to really shine, and I can't wait to see um, who ends up landing in the Top 100. Thanks, guys, and stay tuned. Welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. Today's guest is very, very special. She is truly powerhouse businesswoman. I don't know how she does it, but she does. And it, I'm just so honored and so humbled that she had the time to come on to the show. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to the founder of the PR Net, which is this amazing 
highly reputable publication, um, really geared towards the public relations uh, industry. And so without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Lisa Smith. Welcome to the show, Lisa. I'm so, so happy you're here. Thank you so much. That is such a kind introduction. Thank you. And I feel like you should be my personal publicist with that introduction. <laughs> All true words, you know, truth is the best publicity. So Thank no, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I've been wanting to host you for so long. And you know that because I've been bugging you for like over a year. <laughs> That's how you get it done. You just have to like keep asking and keep pushing. Exactly. And so I'm I'm glad we're here. And I want to start off with really the beginning, beginning, because you have just done like, I don't know, you've just reached the pinnacle of this amazing career that you have. And I and I want to know where it started. Like, how, did you always know you wanted to go into public relations or how did that journey begin for you? I did not. I I mean, when I went to college and, and there wasn't even at my university in New Zealand, there wasn't even a public relations major. There wasn't anything really specifically. I, I majored in marketing, which was, I guess, a close cousin. Um, mm. But no, I, I didn't. I, I always thought I would go into journalism. That's how I kind of started out. I did my internships at magazines. Um, I did a lot of freelance writing. I was kind of exploring that post-college. And by chance, I happened to meet um, the founder of an eyewear distribution company. This was in Sydney. And uh, he kind of proposed that I write their newsletter. That kind of became a more full-time job. I started doing marketing and comms for the company and, you know, very much just kind of like fell into it. And then soon after, probably a couple of years into my career, Another opportunity came up by chance where I was interviewing uh, a friend of mine who was an artist and um, had a fashion brand and various offshoots. And he was like, no one's doing our PR. Would you be interested in taking um, this office space above our store as a sort of like a barter deal? And I was like, wow, but, you know, I, I felt pretty inexperienced. I liked the idea. Something about it resonated in me. And I I would, I just, yeah, decided to kind of pursue it and then got, I think, three more clients and then just started this agency. It was literally me, my computer in this office by myself, this space. I mean, I went through a process of like decorating it and like kind of like making it more appropriate, but I had a little showroom part to it. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, gosh, this is going back so long, but yeah, that, that's that, kind no, of that's how... Yeah, yeah I've got, and I've got to tell you that that employer that I worked for that had the eyewear company, he he took when I mentioned I was resigning to start my own gig, he he came quite earnestly into my office and was like, "Look, I just want to tell you, you know, you this is not going to work. Um, I really think you should reconsider it, etc." And I was like, "You know, thank you, but I, I'm just going to see how this goes." You know, you can cut when you're very young, you can kind of do things on a wing and a prayer, and I didn't really have anything to lose, so. I just, I thought I would do it. But um, interestingly, his company became a client um, maybe six months later. So uh, yeah, the things sometimes work in those it's always, ways. It's always the naysayers that end up like, re it's like you always come back to them in a very ironic it's way. It's so funny. Yeah. I know sometimes yeah. I do. I like to think of those people as a challenge because sometimes those people become your biggest advocates in the end, the ones that are hard to win over, the ones that are skeptical at the beginning. Um, and, it, you know, it's been such a funny process 
with the PR net and building that, you know, there were the early adopters, the people who jumped in and were like so, such big supporters from the get go. And then, you know, I almost feel like now we're coming up to seven years in sort of official existence. And I almost feel like some of the ones coming on now are, are late adopters because it's like we've been around a while. But yeah, um, yeah so, you know, some you have conversations for a long time and you eventually kind of win them over. So perseverance. I guess yeah, absolutely. Perseverance indeed. I mean, you know, it's so funny. Like I, I, I find it so interesting, you know, when people say, no, you can't do it. And it's like, I feel like there are two types of people. There are people who that really hits hard for them. And they're like, you know what, maybe I need to rethink my whole life. And then there are people <laughs> that are okay. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, really? Okay. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to do something else on top of it. You know, like it's, right. it's like, it's always like that. So I love to, I love hearing, you know, these kind of stories because it's like, you know, you're right. Perseverance is the queen at the end of the day of success. You know, it's like you, the more you keep moving forward, the better, but you know, I actually just, I I'm just so shocked that you created such an amazing amazing publication because when I first heard about the PR net, when I first read, you know, the newsletter and the first exposure I had, I was like immediately blown away. I was like, this is genius. You know, like it was just such a cool th- like publication to come upon. And um, so I want you to really, yeah, no, I mean that. And I, and I want you to tell us like, what was that light bulb moment for you where you were like, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in this way. And you know, that whole story, if you want, if you could share that with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was a few things, but I'll tell you kind of, I'll, I'll set the stage for kind of where I was and what I was doing when I had the idea. So I had the agency in Australia, then I moved to New York uh, in 2010. Um, and I still had my business for a couple of years. But then after that, I started doing consulting because here, because I wanted to, you know, get exposure and experience with local brands and agencies. And I was freelancing for a company called Black Frame. Um, they actually closed down the agency maybe three years ago after 15 years of business, but they had some pretty amazing clients, you know, the likes of opening ceremony, Rodate, Nike, the Standard Hotel, et cetera. Um, And they tasked me with finding partners for some of their fashion week and other events. And, you know, when I asked them, well, do you have any kind of like database, a resource that I can use with contacts who represent other brands? There wasn't really anything like that. And so I started just doing some outreach to, you know, PR agencies and or in-house contacts of brands to see what they were doing and whether they'd be interested in partnering with us. And I realized that there was just this huge kind of potential when you get people that are marketing brands together and everything had kind of moved more into partnerships and collaborations. You know, a PR person's role was becoming much more diverse than just media relations. So I was like, why, isn't there an interesting way where we can bring together comms people um, to kind of share opportunities, to network, to meet one another? And, And also at the same time, I was looking at PR industry publications and feeling like those didn't really speak to myself and my peers. You know, they definitely felt very traditional. Um, it, it seemed to be a proliferation of middle-aged white men, if you know what I mean. And oh my um, gosh. I just, <laughs> like so many industries. And, you know, I just felt that there was scope to firstly connect people in a, like in a meaningful kind of like 
tasteful way, I guess, and yeah. in great in great places. Um, so that became the networking side of the Vianet, and then also create some sort of online publication where it had tons of intel about you know this very dynamic industry. So you know jobs and you know interviews with people um, and other content around that space. So. That was the idea. And, and then I just basically just reached out to everyone I knew that was working in the field and spoke with them, um, kind of asked what they would want to see in this resource. And then we launched this with, so basically, yeah, cut, you know, it was maybe a year and a half later by this time, launched the website, did our first PR net event, which was at the Park Hyatt Hotel, which had recently opened in New York brought together 25 people from an array of different brands, you know, from luxury to arts and culture, or, or like a cross-section of interesting people. And that was kind of how it all began. And then, you know, start just built from there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, I love that. I love that it was like, you know, I feel like the best things always start off in this, like, just, you know, like one thing after another, like one step unfolds after another and you just keep walking the road and it eventually you know before you know it you're at this amazing place and I feel like you know like like I said you know when I first um really dove into the publication and looked at the kind of things you guys really feature in it and and the things you talk about it's very inspirational you know if I was a college student or if I was somebody who wanted to even shift careers like this is like it's not just like a um, you know, a publication for people who are in the PR world, but like you've made it something that's like, you can read it even if you're not and gain knowledge, you know, as an entrepreneur or as a student or as a, you know, anyone who's interested in public relations. So that aspect, I feel like for me, it's just somebody random reading, the, you know, reading mm -hmm. the publication struck me as like, wow, this is so cool. And it's almost like it always felt like an exclusive little network, you know, not little at all. You have a giant network, but like, you know, it felt like, it, it felt like, uh, what do you call it? Natural. You know, it wasn't like phony. And that's what I love about your publication is that you've, you've maintained this authenticity aspect. And so, you know, that's where one of my questions really stems from for you is this, you know, this culture in the PR industry. I know that there are some phenomenal PR, you know, people, but then it also attracts a lot of, you know, like, like any profession, it attracts a lot of uh, not so amazing people, you know? So I want you to tell us like in your own mind, like what is good, like being a good PR rep or executive, like what is, what are the main pillars or things that you should always keep in mind? That's so funny that you um, I, I feel like the PR industry historically has just had a very bad reputation, <laughs> which is ironic, of course, because we should be shaping the public perception of our industry. But, um, you know, very sort of devil wears Prada. And I think the old guard of the, you know, PR agency owners or, or high level figures in the industry sometimes won't super nice but I, I I really feel like in the last decade or so that has all evolved massively um and honestly as a, because I deal with such a range of people and I find majority honestly are really just good people like real very nice people are, are very kind um even just the way that and I think you know it helps that New York has this kind of element to it but I think people have really helped me kind of like do this so I, yeah. I I think it's um a bit of a misconception that there are a lot of mean girls in the industry I I will 
vouch for us and say that um, there's a lot of kind and genuine people. Um, And I guess that gets to the other part of your question of, you know, what is a good PR firm and, and what do I kind of see people doing right? I think it's around creating a really nurturing and a positive environment for their teams. And I know that that's a big focus now for agency leaders or in-house leaders is just investing in their teams and training them well and making sure that they're happy and they're growing um, and just keeping that staff retention because obviously most industries are struggling with hiring enough staff and, and retaining them. So I think that's a really smart thing to do. Invest in your people, invest in the you know company culture and, and just make it a great place to work in. Um, Cause that, that gives you stability um, that means you'll be able to service your brands or your clients, you know, in a better way. Um, well, I know that like, you know, and it's, it, I love everything you said. And I think it, it really makes me think about how all of us aren't supposed to be leaders, right? Some of us are supposed to just be really good at what we do and that's it. And not everyone has that leadership mindset. So I want you to like, kind of walk me through some of the most interesting career moments you've had, because you're definitely a leader in this space, obviously. And I'm sure you've worked with some phenomenal brands or, you know, just executives that you've guided. So I would love for you to share some of those stories because I feel like PR, like you said, it does get a bad rep in some ways, but then also there's like this, for me, a gray area, like a mystery around it, you know, like I never, <laughs> the velvet st- curtain. like I, I'm, I'm serious, like I seriously do not get like how it all begins and like how they collect the email lists and you know what I mean? Like, so it's always been this like little, you know, question mark. So I would love for you to share some of your best memories, um, you know, throughout your career. Yeah, look, I mean, I I often tell people about the crazy mishaps that have happened along the way because we host a lot of events in different cities around the country and we've had every conceivable thing that could possibly happen. And I know all the event planners are like empathizing with me here. Like we have literally gone through natural disasters like fires, blizzards. You know, my colleague in LA went into labor on the day of event um Donald Trump won the election the day before a New York event I mean really just not even to mention all the COVID like pandemic um pauses and cancellations and pivots that it you know we had to make so I think it's kept those crazy things and challenges have kept us very um I don't know like not humble but you just you just see that what you're doing we're not saving lives and um you know, there's so many variables that can happen to you when you when you run events. So we're pretty chill. People are like, oh, wow, you know, that whole curveball happened to you. And I'm like, well, yeah. what can you do? So pretty philosophical when it comes to running events. And we've sort of boiled it down to a bit of a fine art, hopefully now. And um, yeah, so crazy twists and turns have happened. But I would say in terms of highlights in, in my career and, and certainly in recent times, we um, started an initiative last year called the PRNet 100, and it recognizes 100 agencies that are doing, you know, influential, innovative work. And um, we we hosted a, you know, gala event. This is now an annual thing. We're actually in the throes of applications and just organizing the 2022 edition. Oh, I know. I was- I was looking at your application today. Mm-hmm. I got I, ah. email came out, and I was like, literally, just like 
oh my gosh, like I, you know, I just, I wanted to like give so many shout outs, but like, honestly, like Bucks and Beal, Lara Case, you know, like I just was like immediately like, oh my God, there's so many phenomenal people, you know, in PR and like, I- There are, and it's such an underappreciated industry. I think for all the creativity and all the talent, it's just not recognized. I mean, there are a couple of industry awards and accolades that go around, but you know, I, 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 we just wanted to really recognize, especially last year, um, you know, people coming through and hopefully emerging from, you know, all the crazy shakeups in 2020 uh, and just create an event that was, it was a bit, it's a bit like a reunion, you know, everybody knew a lot of people there and, and it, and it's just really about celebrating what you do and, and feeling good about the work that you do in the industry that you are part of. So it was a, it was a really beautiful event. We we had a very magical spot. It was the weather cooperated. We were all outdoors, and you know had this incredible cityscape as our backdrop. So um, that was definitely my one of my career highlights. I you know a lot of the company founders and people I you know looked up up to immensely since I moved to the US. I was like oh you know just so flattered that they would come to the event. Yeah. No, I mean I think that. You know, it's interesting that, and it's interesting that you mentioned like coming to the U.S. because I have always wondered like how things are different, you know, compared to like Australia, UK um, here. Yeah. You know, what is what are some of the differences you've noticed with like just public relations, or, like globally, you know, in terms of approaching it, whether it's for any, I does I don't know what industry um, we could reference, but any industry, I guess. This is like so we often ask. Um, different founders or leaders in the industry in, in various countries, like how things differ for them. I remember asking somebody whose headquarters was in Paris and they're like, well, in Paris, we like to do long editor lunches. That This is actually just pre-pandemic. So, um, and they were saying in New York, it's much more kind of like maybe a, a breakfast, a coffee, a soul cycle class, whatever, like very, it's a bit more business-like. I think, you know, and in then in the UK, um, it's a bit more of that kind of banter. You have that conversational moment. You don't just really jump straight into business. And I would say that's very similar to Australia. It's much, I think it's just much more relaxed. I say to people, I kind of miss that relaxed Aussie um, atmosphere. So there, yeah, there are differences. There are a lot of things that are, that are shared because we obviously are in such a global world. But um, yeah, those kind of cultural nuances, I think they do affect each um, territory and you have to obviously be very mindful so I always say to people you know you should have a local PR rep no matter what you do even within the US different states you really I think you know it's so kind of advisable to get somebody who specializes in that local area um, yeah just who knows the area who knows the the you know the local media if you need you know like local media support and, and just to know the kind of um I guess the VIPs and influences in that city so just that local intel I think is always um appropriate yeah yeah I mean I think you're you're absolutely right and I think that really is like it's like a pillar for I think every good industry is like you know really making sure that you're going to the experts for whether it's geographical or whether it's you know um you know for in science we always say well I'm not an endocrinologist and I'm not going to pretend to be an endocrinologist. So, you know, like go to the endocrinologist kind of thing, you know, like go to the specialist, go to the person who knows that area. And it's the same, you know, I, I can completely understand what you mean. Um, you know, and, and that, that actually leads me to, you know, wondering 
a lot about um, in terms of like the differences in like, I guess, I don't know, like uh, getting clients and like the culture around that, because that's something I've never understood, Lisa, like how do PR, how do they get clients? Like, do they just go hunting on LinkedIn? Because I do that. for my podcast but like how does that work no I don't think so and I think we're in this particular moment and probably for the last year or year and a half company agencies are so flush with business that it's actually more that they're turning back people you know wanting to work with them because they don't have the teams in place it's very hard to hire enough people quickly enough um, and effectively enough to kind of service all the new business inquiries that they have and or clients that they wouldn't want to take on so that's that's kind of where it's at now so I think you know that could that can certainly change but um yeah I I don't think they're having to like do that really proactive prospecting that sometimes in the past they may have had to do um and I think a lot of companies you know they just have a great reputation and they do great work and and that kind of word of mouth and that you know they're just their reputation kind of serves them very well to, to get clients. Cause a lot, it's funny. It's like a lot of the way that people find, um, you know, PR representation is through referrals and word of mouth. Right. Like everything. I mean, that's yeah. how, that's how our podcast started. Like it was literally like word of mouth. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It just like, I think for me, like the reason I even asked that is because I've always been so shocked at like, how extensive the networking is in PR like it's like the it's like the amount of people that every PR executive seems to know is just like how do you have the time you know what I mean to get to meet so many people and then keep up with you know like who you know and stuff and it always amazes me you know some of the most amazing women that have supported me including yourself by the way um you know I just I noticed this is that you guys are just very like you're very connected, obviously, but it's also like a different kind of thing. Like, you know how people can be uh, well networked, but it's different when you really know the people that you're networked with. So like, what is that aspect like? And I want you to tell us in almost like an advisory kind of way, because there's a lot of young professionals that tune in and I would love for them to like, kind of take notes here on this, like how to network, how to like, you know, really like meaningfully meet people and keep them in your, you know, um, in your portfolio. I think just keep things personal like really I think people respond when when it feels like you're reaching out to them in a considered and kind of personalized way like I always find like you'll get like even if you for example if you're pitching the media if if you really just only target a small list and you personalize every outreach and you've really thought about their you know their outlet what how they like to write you know what kind of topics they like to cover you'll you'll just get a lot more from that pitching than you would if you just blasted an email out to a big distribution list so I, yeah. I you know I take that approach with all the relate I, I have pretty much met I would say I think maybe it's the majority of PRNet members over the years I really like try especially now that in-person meetings are happening just invest the time to have a coffee with someone or to worst case, like maybe do a Zoom call with them. Like I think once you put a face to the name and you can meet someone in person, the connection is so much more real. There's more of a relationship. The person's more likely to answer your email or, you know, do something for you that you need. So 
take yeah. the time to, yeah, just to, I don't know, yeah, invest in those relationships. Well, that's that's the interesting part about it, Lisa, honestly, because, you know, I'll, I'll share a quick story with you. You know, um, I think like you and I have been talking since very, very early on of this podcast, you know, and I um, I was so stoked when you first uh, responded to me because I was like a huge fangirl. You know, I had seen your work and I was very excited. And, um, you know, I remember like with you and with a few others, like Diane Vavra was another person, um, you know, Laura Case. You know, there's there's just been these hallmark women that were that are in the PR industry that have like they've opened their arms to me when I started this podcast. And it was so interesting to see them network like Priscilla Martinez, like she literally Priscilla. When I first met Priscilla, for example, um, you know, just using her, her as an example, she immediately was like, if you need anything at all just ask me and she's you know you know how busy it gets you know you guys are always busy and you always have things to do but the there's a difference between that kind of level of executive that you're like you know that I consider you at and then I guess every other you know new PR company that comes out and it's like that's why I asked you the networking question because it's like those are the things that make you remember a person you know so it's almost like the skill that I think people need to hone in on because like, you know, those little, those little things go so far. And that's where I've noticed, like, you know, the difference between a good PR firm and a bad one is like, are they even going to get to know me? Are they even going to try to get to know me or help me? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. Relationships are everything, especially in this business. But I mean, that that's the only, just through kind introductions and referrals and word of mouth, that's really how the PR net got going and was able to grow, you know? Yeah. So I owe a lot yeah. of people favors and I try to pay it forward. <laughs> well, I mean, you've done me, uh, you know, favors too. I, I was so shocked when you were open to like having skincare anarchy in the PR net. That was a huge moment for us. And, you know, it's just like, it, it's just kindness, you know, it's like the kindness that came with it was something that I think sticks with you, you know, and I think that's a very like, it's for me it's a hallmark of a true executive and a true professional is when you can do little things that really kind of leave an impact on the people you're interacting with and that's you know that's why I brought up the networking thing because if there are young professionals listening like you know just I think that's really really key these days you know like I I talk to so many people like in the PR industry just for the podcast and some of them are just rude you know and it's like I don't that's even terrible. want terrible yeah yeah I have to tell you when I think of the most successful people that I know in this industry that I respect immensely never like they're just they're gracious they're good communicators they're articulate like they just they that's just not a hallmark of the successful people in this business from my experience yeah yeah being being rude is not I mean we're in communications we're in public relations like you have that's it's odd to me when that happens I I find it very short-sighted and just kind of old school if nothing else it's just not a smart way to be it doesn't take it doesn't really take any extra effort to just be pleasant cordial professional just be nice yeah just be nice I I agree I you know I want to actually ask you a little bit more about the 100 uh Mm -hmm. event coming up I I know that um you know, you guys have really been advertising for it. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? You know, because I, I want to know like how the uh, selection process is like, what are the steps you go through for that? Yeah. 
Well, I'm super excited about it. Uh, it's kind of, we, we jokingly internally call it like the PR prom. It feels like, you know, just yeah. this one moment in the year where uh, these, you know, agency leaders get to come dress up and they're the guests. Like they're, they're always the people behind the scenes organizing all these events. And I think it's just that evening of, um, yeah, it's like a reunion, a celebration. It, it, I love it. I mean, it's just a, it's just a fun time and, you know, um, so I'm very much looking forward, but we, we recently opened applications this year. We have a judges committee. So we've appointed mm. people from, you know, Linda Soro, who's, who was the co-founder of, um, HL group, for example, who you probably have worked with, who's just yeah. incredible. And has been, this is an example of someone who's been so successful in their career and she's just so kindly, you know, embraced the PR net and been, you know, just very helpful along the way. So She's a judge. We've got, you know, folks from American Express, Sephora, um, j- just a range of really, you know, goop, um, impressive companies that are very much along the kind of same lines as our membership within PRNet. So they're, they're going to be um, reviewing the applications. We're looking, I mean, it's a few different buckets of things. We say it's talent, it's innovation, and it's influence. So it doesn't have to be the biggest agency. It doesn't have to be the one that bills the most, um, you know, money. It can be a company that just is really doing forward thinking kind of work that's like innovative and pushing the industry forward. You know, I can think of lots of different companies who just really are embracing newness and they're not, that they're not staying stuck in traditional ways of doing things. They're starting new practice areas, whether it's like you know, NFTs, crypto, that kind of world, or it's just things that are on the forefront and pushing things forward. So that's kind of one element. Of course, you know, agencies that can demonstrate really successful client campaigns. Um, Also diversity, equity, inclusion, that's another area that we look at, like how are these agencies incorporating that within their own teams, within their client work, um, there, there's a number of different criteria, but, you know, it could be a company of five people that is on the list. It doesn't have to be the big multinational, the huge firms of, you know, 500 people. It can be a, a boutique company that just does really interesting and great work. Yeah, no, I, I feel like, you know, whenever I look at skincare anarchy, I always sit there and I just have a moment because I'm like, literally like the amount of kindness I received when I first started the podcast I mean there were people that were very much high up you know in PR and they would just they were willing to help they were willing to be open-minded and I think you know as a like what I've seen you know just in my short exposure to these you know professionals is that there's either really open-minded ones and they do great and it doesn't matter how many people are on their team because they're the hustle is there you know like the the passion for what they do is there and that's what you know I always say this like you know to my team it's like we skincare anarchy wouldn't even be a thing if it weren't for the amazing PR community that has given us like numerous chances you know what I mean like it just mm-hmm. it's it's insane to me and, and I think that is like something definitely worth celebrating is these people that, you know, they put their heart and soul into what they do. And PR is a really competitive field. You know, it's a very taxing field. And the fact that, I mean, some of these women that I even know, like, you know, in the beauty and wellness PR you know sector and the niche is they're always doing, the, like, they're always on their phone. They're always connected. They're always there. So it's like the amount of work that goes into this profession 
I mean, that's nuts, you know, it's staggering how much work and effort and, you know, just, I guess, like you said, persistence that goes into and it. I, I think really there's some very smart people that work in the business and they're being very creative with their campaigns. And, you know, now you have to be a bit of a, a jack of all trades. You need to understand so many different things from social media to experiential to social, like, just a plethora of things, media relations, of course, but like, and all these different areas. Whereas, you know, when I started out, it was much more straightforward. So I think, you know, I give props to people um, in the business these days because you really, yeah, you have to be very knowledgeable across a number of different areas. And um, luckily I think that whole burnout culture and working a million hours a week, that's definitely kind of gone by the by, especially in the last two and a half years, you know, since the pandemic, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's becoming a more sane kind of um, place. Yeah, well, there should be a law that you can't work more than this many hours. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how much work you think you have. I mean, I remember like yeah. with the in the medical field residents, you know, they didn't have a, a cap for a long time. We didn't have a cap for how many hours we could be there and we'd be there forever. And I, it's very comparable, I think, to PR because, you know, some of the girls are just, they're always on, they're always on. You know, and it's like for us, I remember when uh, it, it became a law, you know, like your uh, mentors and, and doctors and hospitals couldn't keep you there past a certain amount of hours because it just it was like, yeah, you can keep going, but you need to stop. And that's something that I, you know, I find to be very interesting about these like high, you know, like just like, you know, the kind of careers that move very fast is that you can get so caught up, right? Like you can get so caught up and just forget about yourself. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm in a way I'm glad COVID happened. So people slowed down a little bit, you know? Definitely. Definitely. And I think it, it's on the leadership of the company to sort of set the tone for like, okay, we're going to work and just a sane amount of hours and we're going to have summer Fridays or we're going to be able to work. Most companies now, you know, maybe have two to three days that they have to be in person, the rest remote. I mean, my team is all remote. Like it's just for people to kind of like design um, the best and healthiest kind of way for their teams to operate. And I don't think you need to compromise productivity. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been in companies where you have to, clock in and clock out at a certain hour and I think there's just a lot of wasted time um I think it's just really about the output I think it's about the happiness um and healthiness of the the team so it's it's definitely getting to a better place that's how that's how I know that you're you're in that category of leadership because the only people I've ever heard say what you just said whether no matter what industry are like the leaders because they're not going to nitpick at you about, you know, you guys don't nitpick about silly things. It's like if the work gets done and it's done well, that's really the important part. You know, like I remember like I had taken like a hiatus, like, you know, from back when, you know, I was, I was finishing up med school and stuff and I worked for this IT company and I was so frustrated because it was that, you know, culture of corporate America where it was like, come in at nine, leave at five, no matter whether you have something to do or not, you know? And some and people that, aren't the most, they're most effective in those hours. Like I'm, I think we were talking before you started recording about the fact that I'm such a morning person. Like sometimes I get tons of work done pre 9am. Yeah. Or, or some people are nocturnal and they do their best work between 9pm and 1am. I mean, and if that's 
what suits them and that's when they're at their best. They shouldn't have to sort of conform necessarily to that traditional workday. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, while we're on the subject, I would love for you to also offer advice for um, all the PR, you know, the leaders out there, you know, that are uh, running their own firms and they have their teams, like any advice you can offer them about how to really kind of, you know, um, I guess, enhance their teamwork and enhance the team environment. What are some things that you've noticed to be like true pillars of a great team in the public relations sector? Look, I think, I mean, I don't even know if I'm in a place to dole out the advice, but I, I, I see a lot of examples of great company culture and I see, um, you know, people doing an amazing job with keeping their teams happy and, you know, moving forward. And um, so, you know, I think that's just done by giving people, as you said, like just some um, space to, have, you know, keep their own uh, schedules and um you know these days most people are kind of doing some work remotely like give them freedom um that definitely I think is especially for you know they say gen z and and millennials you know give them that flexibility it's all about the flex so I think but I I really feel like most you know company founders that I speak to everyone's jumped on board with that pretty well I mean you know there's some other companies I can think of I've I went into an agency once to meet with the the partner there and they were doing company yoga, you know, like it all goes on. I think, you know, most companies that I hear of now, look, you're not going to retain the team if you don't keep people happy and have some balance. And I think it's just like a mutual respect thing. Um, You know, you give them the flexibility, they, you know, create the productivity and results. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it is, it is like, you do have to have that, you know, um, ability to give people creative freedom too. I mean, you're absolutely, you know, I totally get what you're saying there. Um, You know, and, and I think that's a really important message actually, you know, for anyone listening that might be, you know, dealing with some team issues right now or something, maybe step back for a minute, you know, and just rethink. I mean, we get so caught up, you know, I know I'm, I'm like a control freak when it comes to my own projects and stuff. And people like always tell me like, oh my God, like just, why don't you just do all of it? Because you're not going to like anyone else's work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think it's easy to become like perfectionists and stuff. So, you know, that's why I wanted to get your advice for all, because there's so many new, new PR firms, as I'm sure, you know, you know, there's so many new ones and people are really branching out on their own. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely good to know you know, to get uh, advice from the experts. So, but um, I want to ask you, Lisa, there's a question I really need your advice on because I'm still trying to figure out and that's editorial and how it intersects with PR because I don't get it. Like, I don't understand how you convince an editor, right, to write about something. Like, how do you, like, how does that work? Oh my goodness. I mean, ultimately, if it's not a fit for them, you can't, you can't, I mean, that's just a misconception that you can basically, I don't know, coerce them or just spin it in such a way, you know, it's either going to be something that they, especially these days, there's not a lot of column inches, if you know what I mean, like, there's just not, media's, you know, has its challenges right now. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's got to be a fit. Um, and you just, yeah, as I said before, like really think through a pitch, personalize it, make sure that the thing that you're pitching makes sense for that editor, for that particular 
um, section of that publication. Um, right. So I think that's, you know, that's going to be the biggest indicator of if you get that editorial placement. It's just like making sure that it's a match. Well, so there's like a lot of journalism in a way involved, right? Or writing, I should say, rather. Like, you have to be a good writer then. Because ideally, not not everyone, I don't know. I think it's actually sometimes more sales in a way. Like I, I think most jobs have an element of sales and, and certainly like if you're pitching media, you are obviously trying to sell something. Um, you know, as I said, they're not gonna buy it if it's completely irrelevant for their audience, their readers. Right. But, mm. Right. No, that makes sense. That totally makes sense to me. And that's, thank you for that. Because I really like, you know, it, it's always been, you know, obviously for me, I have no idea. I like, I was not even part of the beauty industry. I'm like from the medical side. And when I started the yeah. podcast or interacting with PR um, executives and then editors, I was always like, how do you guys work together exactly? Because well, it's every- two sides of the flip, you know, like two flip sides of the same coin. You know, we, we, we both need each other. And I, we actually recently hosted a panel with five senior level editors and got some really interesting feedback about um, how to how to best work with them. Um, you know, and I think that the era of sending long for you know long form sort of press releases, it's kind of done. You know, everything. It really what it boiled down to was building relationships, making the time to do that, personalizing your pitching, and making sure it's relevant. Um, and then just like with the delivery of the information, make it kind of like bullet points aren't a bad idea. Just really distill it down to like in a couple of paragraphs and maybe some bullet points, like here's the gist of it. Here's kind of everything that you need to know. Key points. This is why it's, it makes sense for you, you know, for you guys and, and, and kind of done, you know, like rather than just being too long-winded about it. That makes so much sense that you said that because when I was like first like kind because of, I had to put a pitch together for skincare anarchy right because I wanted to get into publications and like for podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff and I remember like you know very early on it was Priscilla Martinez and then even later it was uh uh you know Marla from uh, Bella PR and they were I think trying to tell me in a very nice way like Ekta you need to cut the crap and just put everything in bullet points right <laughs> save everyone a lot of time. It took me so long to understand that. And like, cause they were just being sweet. You know what I mean? They didn't want to hurt my feelings or make me feel awkward, but that's what they were really getting at. And it's like, now that I've, I've started to do that. It's like, yeah, like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Because people do not read paragraphs anymore. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. think I- the attention span is small. That's what we, with a lot of the articles that we publish, you know, and we often have contributors. We say like, we love a listicle, like five ways to, do xyz or seven things to know about influencer marketing whatever it is you know keep it really succinct people don't have the bandwidth and the attention span anymore so yeah yeah i'm a big fan of like keeping things just very to the point um i think also when you're pitching for editorial like tying back what the what it is that the brand does or you do to like current events i think that's often like cultural kind of social moments that are happening that can actually give you leverage to get coverage. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think it's like, it, it's, to me, it's just very interesting because, you know, I like, you know, I've asked editors before as well, you know, it's like, well, how would you want a brand to pitch you? And they're like, well, just be authentic. And I'm like, well, if I was authentic, I would write you a book. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I, 
damn book about everything that I do, you know, but it's like, it, you're right. You know, the attention span thing is definitely, it, it's definitely an issue. And um, the reason I'm even, you know, really bringing this up because, you know, I, you would be shocked how many like, you know, small brands, like, especially like young founders, they'll reach out to me and they'll, they'll ask for advice about this stuff. And I'm like, I have no clue. Like I am the last person to ask, um, you know, but I'll tell you what I, you know, the advice I got for even skincare anarchy, but you know, that's something that I think is so huge. And, you know, um, I mean, you said, you say it so nonchalantly, but you'd be surprised, you know, brands don't really follow that. You know, I get, even like when I read an email, sometimes it's like a, like freaking three page long pitch. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I end up just being like, yes, I will host you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like there's some time. Yeah, I I think there's also great power in um, seeing the value of niche publications. And, you know, you've probably gone beyond the point of being niche, but I think sometimes you get your best results from like a smaller, really targeted audience. And I think that's really smart that, you know, some of your early adopters saw that podcasts and like in the specific wheelhouse, like could be effective for their brands. Um, so I think, you know, sometimes it's not that the big article in Vogue or the New York Times that like moves the needle. Maybe it's a, it's like, I don't know, uh, quite a niche kind of industry publication or a, a content creator who only has 10,000 followers that really makes a difference to your brand. I mean, you, you know, I think you just got to stay open. No, absolutely. You know, you're, you're so right about that. And I think like, you know, it's definitely like the authenticity too, right? It's like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, you know, and I mean, you don't have to comment on this, but like for me, um, I, I kid you not, you know, when I, when I first started on this project with the podcasting, um, the, some of my most early guests were PR people because I was like, please come on my show and teach me because mm-hmm. I don't get it. You know, like, I, I really didn't get it. I was like, you know, what is it that brands are missing? Because there's so many brands coming out how do we keep up? And it was like, just so eye opening to hear their perspectives and be like, you know, everyone's, you know, human. So you can't be, you can't be overstimulating people. Right. And so it was such a learning experience for me. And um, I, you know, one conversation specifically I had with Diane Vavra and um, she actually asked me, she was like, Ekta, why do you host PR people? And I was like, oh, that's a simple answer because you guys are the ones that move this industry around. You know what I mean? Like you're the real like people in the back that are making things happen. And it's like, if I don't feature you, then I'm not reporting well, right? Like I'm not, I'm not bringing all the information out there. And, you know, I, I feel like that part of it, like is always so overlooked about like just how much PR, you know, plays a role in just the success of brands that, you know, just the success of magazines even, you know? Of course. So. Yeah. No, well, I want to round out the interview, um, Lisa, and I want to ask you, you know, just any words of wisdom, you know, any words of wisdom about what you think is coming, you know, up and coming in the PR industries, you know, like anything you're noticing, like in terms of shifts or like, you know, just things that are just, I guess, on the horizon that we should be aware of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, A few things. And we try to touch on a lot of these topics in our um in our webinar series, but I would say, you know, the growth of affiliate marketing has been a big trend and it's something that's just doesn't seem to be going away. And I know a lot of PR agencies, PR professionals are, are starting to like really put this on 
um, their radar for working with their brands. Mm. Um, I would also say there's a focus on measurement. I think this is really interesting and, and being able to show the data and analytics behind the work that you do. So um, some companies get access to their clients' Google Analytics and they can see, so they can actually demonstrate, okay, so the article came out in this publication on this date. You can see incredible um, traffic to your website. You can see, I mean, even if they allow you access to this, like how many sales came directly from that particular piece of coverage. So being able to demonstrate that I think is super exciting and um, for PR professionals, it didn't used to be so trackable. And, you know, I, I think that that makes your value just so much easier to demonstrate. Um, I would also say, you know, I, I think I touched on it before, to, like just this holistic approach to PR. I mean, looking at all the different facets of it now that people um, work on, for, you know, obviously traditional media relations is one small part of that pie, but then, you know, VIP and influencer and events and social media. So there's just many different things that PR agencies and professionals can um, access and do within their role. And I think it's just kind of making their plan, looking at the business's objectives and then making a plan from that array of different things that are on offer and not just, not just dealing with media, but all the different things that can make a, a positive difference for the, for the brand. So that's right. a big thing. And then, I mean, lastly, I would say just the advent of the metaverse. And like, I mean, a lot of um, companies have now clients in that space. You know, there's one agency called the Fifth Column that I think has done an amazing job in, um, you know, being really the first mover and, and you know, start like really establishing themselves as an authority, um, you know, in the crypto NFTs metaverse sort of world and bringing on like a ton of clients and really just kind of educating themselves and, and the public in that space. So um, I think yeah. we're going to see more and more of that. Um, I think also, you know, DEI is becoming a more important um, part of the conversation, like multicultural marketing. There's a lot of agencies now adding that into the mix. Um, yeah. That's yes. huge. That's a yeah. Really, because honestly, I was, you know, this is interesting that you even brought this up because I kid you not, I have always been so like confused about why like brands are not guided better in terms of multicultural awareness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that. You know why? Because they don't necessarily have the teams in place advising them. I think unless you have a multicultural team advising you on what to do oftentimes it just it, it doesn't really resonate or it doesn't it get it just doesn't execute it right right no I, I I've definitely definitely seen that you know and it's always like just it's crazy to me when I see just I guess complete um you know oblivion when it comes to understanding that yes. you know for example like I'll use the most classic example chai right like people were <laughs> calling it chai tea for the longest time me being Indian I'm looking at them like that is an oxymoron, you know, and that's just one little example of, you know, just like multicultural awareness. And I would see like companies marketing their products and labeling it chai tea. And I would always wonder like, who is the person that approved this, this verbiage? You know what I mean? Because this is not like, this shows that you don't understand the culture from which you took this. So right. that's definitely so interesting to me that you brought that point up because I think it it should fall on the on the shoulders of the team that's, you know, 
kind of like able to understand like where you're trying to go and like what you need to be aware of when you're creating products that are overlapping in different cultures. Mm. Definitely. Well, Lisa, this has been amazing. You are amazing. And I'm really, really excited about the the 100 event. I cannot wait to see who you guys pick. I mean, I just, I, I'm just a forever fan of you, honestly. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so flattered. No, it's it's such an honor to host you. And you are just such an accomplished woman, such an inspiration. And I, you know, I can't thank you enough. You know, one of the best parts of this podcast for me has been um, the ability and the the opportunity to connect with um, just amazing, amazing people like yourself. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. And everyone listening, I hope you learned a lot from Lisa because you know, she's really an encyclopedia when it comes to PR. So um, I try to ask as many questions as I could. But, you know, if you have any further questions, please leave them in the comment section. I'll definitely pass them on to her team. And then keep your eyes open for that top 100. Um, I'm really yes, curious. Apply. If, you feel, if you're an agency, apply. Um, Absolutely. Oh, I've been telling everybody. Through July 15. Sorry. I've been telling everybody, Lisa, honestly, every PR that's been with me since the beginning, I'm like, you have to apply. <laughs> like, Aww, thank you so, so much. you know. Yeah. yeah and we no, also I- have a newsletter that anyone can subscribe to. It's just the links on the homepage. So if you're interested in the industry, you know, we have, it's one email a week. It's just, it's fun. It, there's lots of, lots of pictures and it's not, it's not a heavy read. It's not, it's pretty light going. No, so really not. You guys actually uh, structure your newsletter very, very like um, it's organized and clean. Like it's it's not it, it's very like easy to go through and still get a lot of information. So I I will fully promote that. In fact, everyone listening, I'm going to put a link on our stories to where you can go and subscribe to the newsletter because it is really good. I'm subscribed to it and I love it. I look forward to reading it. So you know every day. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it. I, I, I really just, I think what you're doing is just phenomenal. Like you're truly like you have created something that's so magical and it's truly, you know, applaud worthy and, you know, hats off Lisa, honestly, like way to be a true female leader. You know, there's not a lot of you around. So yeah. Thank you well, so much. Uh, and everyone listening, I will be back next time. Thanks. Etta.